Welcome to Cerebral, my reflections on various random topics that I come across by consuming quality content through books, articles, video lectures, and sometimes tweets. Hey, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Cerebral. Just to add a little background to the topic that I'll be discussing in this podcast, few days ago I finished reading this book called Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. The book primarily focuses about the role of randomness in our lives and why considering randomness when looking at different outcomes is a good risk reduction mechanism. It was during reading this book that I came across this mental model called Alternative Histories and we'll talk about that in this episode. So let's get started. Alternative histories, the importance of the unobservable. Everybody has heard of Google, right? In fact, Google introducing you to this podcast has supremely high chances than me introducing you to Google. Valued at more than $850 billion at the time of writing this, it's no doubt that the company is an absolute beast when it comes to web searching and is almost a monopoly. Now, if I had to ask you about the one big reason for Google's massive success, the chances are very high that your answer would be one of these. Exceptional engineering team, brilliant product, visionary founders, right? I differ from you, but we'll get onto that later. For now, let me ask you something else. And especially if you are an Indian. What or who played the biggest role in the Indian independence in 1947? Throughout our years in school, we were said that it was the Congress and primarily Mahatma Gandhi's non-violent protests that forced the Britishers to leave India. The contrarians would say that it was the result of the efforts of the Indian National Army headed by Netaji Shubhas Chandra Bose. Not any of these two could be called completely wrong, but there's one big event we are ignoring. Later in this podcast, I'll talk about Google's case and the case of Indian independence, but first, let me tell you what the title of the article means. Throughout our history, we've had many big and small events that shaped and brought our world into the form of what it is today. In the book Fooled by Randomness, the author Nassim Taleb calls the substitutes of these historical events as alternative histories. To put it in simple words, think of it in this way. What else could have happened or what were the other possibilities in these events apart from the ones that did occur? Now, this doesn't only apply to the big historical events that we study in our history textbooks, but instead stretches itself to the events that occur in our daily lives also. Taleb used an extreme event like a game of Russian roulette as an example to explain alternative histories. I'll take a minute to explain what a game of Russian roulette means. In Russian roulette, you put a single bullet into one chamber in a revolver, usually having a capacity of six bullets. Then you spin up the cylinder and place the gun on your head and shoot, leaving your life at the hands of luck. Now imagine you're given $10 million if you survive in a game of Russian roulette. There are a total of six possible histories of equal probability in this case. As Taleb says, five out of six histories would lead to enrichment. One would lead to a statistic that is an obituary with an embarrassing but certainly original cause of death. 
The point he raises is that we usually blind ourselves to the other five possible histories and only see the one that occurred in reality. The winner of this game of risking one's life for 10 million would be celebrated by journalists and would be talked about a lot in the media as a great risk taker. The people who would point out the history in which the person dies would really be contacted as they don't have something sensational to say. The Russian roulette is an extreme example but it hits the nerve of this topic. Let us now discuss about the alternative histories in the cases of Google and Indian independence. Google didn't always enjoy the monopoly it has over web search now since its inception. It wasn't obviously the first company to enter into the search market either. The companies like AOL, Yahoo are well known as the alternatives to Google to the people who are into tech news. But there's a company that people today rarely have heard of which led to the biggest event which decided Google's fate. In December 1995, Excite, a search engine was formally launched. 1996 was the year the company brought George Bell as its CEO. Within the next 2 years, the company became worth of billions of dollars. Excite was ultimately acquired by Home Network on January 19, 1999. It was disclosed in an article later in 1999 that two graduate students at Stanford University Sergey Brin and Larry Page decided that Google the search engine they had developed was taking up time they should have been using to study they went to bell and offered it to him for 1 million dollars but bell rejected the offer and later threw vinod khosla one of excite's venture capitalists out of his office after he had negotiated brin and page down to 750k This move could be considered as one of the worst business decisions in history. Now it's easy to say in hindsight that Google had all of what it takes to be successful. But consider this as an alternative history that what if Excite had bought Google and that Google would have been spoiled by the engineers at Excite. It doesn't seem highly unlikely as 750k for a company of such a high value was peanuts. think of it in this way that all of what google has achieved till now would have, have wouldn't have happened if george bell didn't take that horrible business decision one of which is highly unexpected from a professional ceo swap the event that occurred with the alternative history and the world wouldn't look the same now what about the indian independence was all of it because people were protesting non violently which made the britishers leave india Surely public pressure did play out in the departure of the british but weren't britishers already a violent regime why would they care about a non-violent protest so much that they would leave such a big part of their empire or why netaji's ina wouldn't have been able to achieve the same thing if they would have done it say 10 years back from the point of time where they started the movement we state a lot of reasons for our independence except the one without which none of it would have happened the timing indian independence happened around the same time when the world was at war world war 2 had the biggest impact on making britishers leave india till the war reached its end india an unprofitable territory not a good position for britishers to hold who had to focus all of their resources on defeating the nazis after the defeat of france a military major in europe Winston Churchill realized that it will not be possible for UK to control and defeat Nazis single-handed. Any military tie-up with the Soviet Russia would have been futile and hence Churchill had to approach USA president 
Franklin Roosevelt for active military support in Europe. President Franklin Roosevelt was aware that Churchill has no other way out but to accept whatever conditions could be imposed on UK. He therefore put forward a draft of Atlantic Charter which was not at all acceptable to Churchill. However, he had no option. Unwillingly, Churchill had to accept and sign the Atlantic Charter. We probably didn't focus on the Atlantic Charter during our school time as much as we focused on other reasons. If you read the charter carefully, one of the clauses clearly mentions that it requires UK to decolonize Asian territory. All of this is dependent on one single issue that the World War II occurred. In one of the alternative histories, World War II wouldn't have happened probably and we would still have been under the rule of British Empire. Now that's enough of history to bore you with. Let's come to an entirely different topic that is of self-help books. Motivation is probably the easiest thing to sell around. I visited a bookstore recently to buy some books related to economics. On inquiring the staff of the shop regarding the book, he seemed unaware of the book that I wanted to purchase. Confused and unaware, he pointed out the last row of the shop to me and said that if at all the book is in the shop, it would be there. I didn't find the book though, but came back with a curiosity that what are the books that people commonly read? Usually, these books are kept on display on the front row. Upon reaching that point, I was looking at the collection of self-help books. These books usually have what we call nowadays as clickbait titles. Most of these books carry lessons taken from observing successful people. In the pursuit of filling up the pages with motivational content, these books list every single detail of these people, usually millionaires and billionaires, and tell the reader that how their habits, even related to breakfasts, resulted into them making a lot of money. Now, a rational mind would point out within seconds that oatmeals have no relation to making it big on the stock market. But people find it difficult to figure that out. The reason for this is that the writers of these books only see the observable and link it to the outcome. A quick view at the alternative histories would tell that a lot of these people, a lot of these successful people owe a major part of their success to a random event which if wouldn't have occurred then the story would have been a total opposite. Up next, we'll know why do we tend to ignore these. Humans are prone to making connections between the information available in front of them. We've been blinded by sentences like everything happens for a reason or the dots connect in the end. There's an element of randomness in our lives, but our cognitive biases lead us to finding a casual link between the events that occurred in our lives and then rationalizing them. You'll find people always saying about events after they've occurred and not at the time they were happening. We're somehow overconfident about reason for the occurrence of events, but only after they've occurred. This is called hindsight bias or narrative fallacy. Our brains are so outcome-centric that once we find an outcome that we desire, we rarely see if the processes had any role leading up to the outcome. This outcome-centricity leads up to our observance of only the observable and a total ignorance for the alternate histories. Now, some of you might be thinking that if two events lead up to the same outcome, how is it favorable to choose one and ignore the other? How is winning $10 million through Russian roulette different than making the same amount through selling candies? The answer lies in the reproduction of the same results throughout a given time series. Taleb, in his book, 
uses probability to explain this. He says, if the roulette betting fool keeps playing the game, the bad histories will tend to catch up with him. Thus, if a 25-year-old played Russian roulette, say, once a year, there would be a very slim possibility of his surviving until his 50th birthday. The Russian roulette player has a very slim possibility of reproducing the same results every time, whereas the candy seller could reproduce the same results over a time period easily as the candy market rarely fluctuates. The risks involved in both of these activities vary exponentially, and thus it is important for us to look for the alternate histories when making judgments instead of plainly looking at the outcomes. Failing at this, we could follow a lot of horrible processes that lead up to an outcome that we desire just because they had luck by their side. Alternative histories is a brilliant mental model, which helps us reduce risks when chasing outcomes of huge financial gains. They also help us look at history in a completely different way. Even though it can't be expected from us mere mortals to act rationally at all times, but it is advisable to have a good risk-reducing mechanism to risks not only observable but also unobservable when the stakes are high. In a way, it could be said that everything happens for a reason. It is just that the reasons are not always what we observe. Randomness does qualify for a reason.